We want to welcome you to the Bible teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church, where our desire is to honor God by faithful obedience to His Word. If you want to understand the Bible better, please continue to listen. You can reach us with questions or for more teaching audio and print material at our website, fbcaa.org. You can also watch our services live at fbcaa.org live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Well, it's good to be back again. Now, this morning, I have a title, and the title is, The Heart is Deceitful. Now, you probably right away know from which passage of scripture I drew that title. And if, you, if it doesn't come to mind immediately, it comes from Jeremiah. And so I'm going to be reading some things from Jeremiah, but I'm not doing a study in Jeremiah per se, but I'm going to get to read several verses, uh, several sections from Jeremiah. In chapter 17 and verse 9, it says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Now those are not fun-sounding words. Of course, people want to know, well, whose heart is like that? And if you look at certain people and say that, and they'll say, well, not mine, maybe yours. But this scripture, the way it expresses it, it just simply says that the heart. So it's a general expression. And I think it's not worthwhile to quibble about whether it means what it says. Because we, as we have stressed before, we don't make any bones about the fact of understanding what God has given to us as being really what he has given to us and that we should pay attention to it. It's important. So with this idea of this deceitful heart, one of the things that we can take from that is this idea or this notion that whatever is coming out from whomever the speaker is or the voice it can be wrong. It can be tainted. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean as that is deceit in the terms of corruption of intended deceit. But we know that we have a limitation even without talking about how the heart really is in terms of being deceitful and wicked because we have a limitation, a human limitation. So that whatever we do is subject to error. And so we need to be paying attention and be cautious about what it is that we do and how we handle information that comes uh, to us. I think sometimes we may tend to accept certain ideas or beliefs or information based merely on who said it. I was, I remember one time I heard one of the, I heard someone say, if he said it, it must be right. <laughs> and that person was really honest, in earnest in saying that. Now, that 
doesn't condemn the person for having said it because the person was speaking on the basis of their understanding of having been around that person for years. And so basically it was a statement of saying, I know that person to be a person of integrity. And that's what that person was saying. But for me, when I heard that, my thought was, no matter how good the integrity is, there still could be error. And so you just said, well, just because that person said it, it must be right. My suggestion would be we should dig a little deeper than that. Uh, now, with that being said, if God said it, then we must not dig deeper. Because if God said it, we know it's right. Unfortunately, though, in our normal intercourse with people, they will do what we heard or what we read about in the first portion of Scripture. They do exactly what was done there. Has God said? And so they begin to say, hmm, I don't know about that. And many times it's just because it doesn't line up with some idea they have already formulated in their mind or accepted or embraced. And so for that reason, they begin to cast doubt. But we should focus ourselves to be not that way, but to try to focus and evaluate on the basis of what has God said and try to filter our own thinking through that. So there are different things and different results that can happen. Some errors are, whether committed by intentional deceit or not, can have minimally adverse consequences. You know, you might be on your way to somewhere and somebody told you one route is, is quicker than the other and it turns out it's not and it's longer. And so you may end up taking an extra 10 minutes getting there. Most of the time, that doesn't, make, that doesn't really matter. It's immaterial. But if you have a treating physician and they give you the wrong medication, one that you're allergic to and they should have known, it can have very severe adverse reactions and consequences. And so what we hear and what we do with it is important. Deceit. So when we think about deceit of the heart, one of the things that we need to be on guard about is that we, we guard ourselves about being deceitful and deceiving ourselves and receiving or being deceived. So de being deceived, whether by other people or by ourselves, is just as bad and can lead to difficult consequences. And so when we're reading Jeremiah, I just was fascinated. I always get, I'm always interested in, in the things that I read, and, and some of those things impact me differently in different times. And this time in, through with in uh, Jeremiah, I mean, I, I had thought maybe I'd stop and point out some of the things from Isaiah, because I just finished reading Isaiah as well, but, but I, I won't do that now. But, but uh, so, this, so this notion, I'm picking up with this notion here, and the idea of getting it right. 
I remember one of the things that Brother Chuck Allen used to say often is when speaking about matters of eternal life, and he would say something to the effect of that folks need to get a proper understanding of their own sinful condition and embrace Christ as a solution, a resolution to the problem. And then he would say, you know what the words are, before it is too late. And so the idea is too late can be the experience and will be for some. Now, if a person is already a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, already saved, and that's not just, well, let me just put it that way, and that's an accurate assessment, then it's never going to be too late for salvation because they already have it. But our lives consist of more than that because once saved, the sanctifying process continues to work and we should be cooperating with it so that we can have increasing levels of sanctification as we go along the way. Knowing that we'll never perfectly reach that pinnacle until, until we elevate it. But God elevates us as we go along in obedience to what he has said to do, and so we should be trying to do what he said to do to understand what did, what did the Lord say for me to do? What, what does the scripture indicate that I should be doing? I should be trying to understand that, and I should be trying to do it. But I can't do it in my own strength. I, we need to understand that. We do. I mean, everybody here, I think I know everyone. We all know that. But we do ask God to help us, and, and do, we do fall down. And he helps us to get up again. People talk about falling down and getting back up. But I say he helps us to get back up again because it's not in our own strength. It's in his. And so we must be relied upon his strength and not our own and proceed that way along in our living. So God always provides. He is never at fault. One of the things that stood out for me when I was reading through Jeremiah and it's, you see it reflected from the title of the shows that I chose. Numerous mentions of the heart. There are lots of mentions of the heart in Jeremiah. The heart. So what is the heart that he's speaking about here? We can think about it as the as as seat or the place for where, where thoughts and decisions, where accountability rests in a person. The heart, that which is innermost and out of it proceed certain things. Out of the depth of the heart proceeds. And it's a very important matter. But when the scripture says, as we started out, the heart is deceitful. And so I think if believers could understand that we also attempted to be deceitful. God is not tempting us to do that, but we are tempted to do that, to be that way. We should be on guard for that. 
and as I said, depending on what the specific situations are in terms of immediate uh, temporary co contemporary consequences, those might differ. In Jeremiah's day, God raised him up, and he gave him an assignment to do. And as you read in Jeremiah, you see what he had to go through just to go to the people and tell them what God said because he met certain faces. God said, don't be fearful of their faces. But it's not always an easy thing to do, to stand up and speak with that which you know to be true, knowing full well you're going to be swatted, maybe swatted down. You might have very severe adverse consequences just for saying what's true. Many people are suffering that way now in our land because they dare to say a thing that's true. They had to bear all kinds of consequences. Well, Jeremiah knows what that's all about. So what Jeremiah was saying to the people, Judah and Jerusalem, you've been off, you're off, you've been off, you're off the path, you're off the track, you're out of alignment, you are sinful, and because of that, God has a program to respond to it. And what I call the deportation army is all ready. They're ready to start marching and come on down and do what I have commissioned them to do. That's what God is saying to them. God commissioned those people. And he said it's because of you and your choices. It doesn't have to be this way. But you can make your choice as to what you do, to obey me or not, but you can't choose the consequences. I've already chosen what the consequences are going to be if you don't repent. That's what he said. Now, that's quite a thing. But that's what he said to them. Now, it's really quite an interesting thing. When I talk about this heart, and I thought about this, and as I mentioned, that some people might say, well, defeat, deceitful, desperately wicked, that's too strong. Maybe your heart, but not mine. But you know what we can say to them is, If you understand that Christ died for sinners, he came in the world for sin to the world for sinners. So if your heart is not that good, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ have no help to you. If your heart your heart is not that bad. But if it, but if it is, then he can help you. So it's not saying that any heart is too bad for him. He's just saying that he's given us an, an ability to, to reject him. That really actually is a horrifying statement. Or a fact, I should say it that way. It is a horrifying fact that God has given us the wherewithal to reject him. Because he has already set the consequence, and he's not going to change it. So that if rejection it maintains 
all the way to, through to the end, then what he's already said will be the end result. It's going to happen. And so when we talk to people and we say, God has said, this is what God said. He said, there's one way out of your problem, your dilemma, your difficulty, your, your trauma, whatever it is. How do you express the fact that you are not in the right alignment with God? He said, there's a way to resolve it, to fix it. But there's only one. And he is God's only son. And so, and so God says, well, the choice is up to you. And so that's the scary part. Because if the choice is up to us, we have a, if we have an ability to reject God, if we make our response on the basis of having been deceived or self-deceit, it's not going to be good in it. It's not going to have a good outcome. Now, that's a mild way of saying it. It's going to have a horrible outcome if we do that. But God has given us a, an ability to, to reject him. So when Jeremiah was speaking, he was speaking from the Lord. Now, I want to go now to the verses and start reading, reading some before the time gets gone. Because I said that Jeremiah was speaking. So what the proposition is, is that the voice that the people heard, it was the voice of God coming through his prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah didn't have his own message to give. He was a servant of the Lord, and he had to deliver what the Lord said to deliver. He had to give the message that was God's message. And so no matter what they did to Jeremiah, it couldn't change the message. People try to kill the message by killing the messenger. But when they're all done, all they've done is kill the messenger. The message is still alive and still will have the same consequences. And so it's never a wise thing to try to kill the messenger, to get rid of a message that's, that's being hated and not liked. But let me go here in Jeremiah, in chapter 1, first couple of verses. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, the priest who were in Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign, to whom the word of the Lord came. That's where we're focusing, to whom the word of the Lord came. So the word of the Lord came to him before he spoke. And then verse, drop down to verse number 4, and I'll read 4 through 10. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, this is Jeremiah now. He's understanding the weight of what the Lord has said to him. He says, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm a youth. I'm not up to the task. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm a youth, for you shall do all, go to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you will speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, 
I put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. And so God says, Jeremiah, I have outfitted you for what you ought to do. He said to Jeremiah, I'm the Lord. And you don't have to worry because I'm the one supplying the wherewithal for you to carry out your mission. That's what God says. That's what he does for us. He says he's provided. It's his provision that we rely on, not our own. I selected some verses from Jeremiah that reflect the depravity of the human heart in keeping with our title, the the heart is deceitful. Of course, you can find a lot of those in a lot of places in Jeremiah that speaks of this, but I've selected a few. In Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 14, here's what it says. O Jerusalem, wash your heart from wickedness, that you may be saved. How long shall you your evil thoughts lodge within you? Your evil thoughts lodging within you. How long are you going to be in this condition? Now he will save you. Now, they could have been saved from the captivity. They could have been saved from the army who was already prepared and ready to go. They had a choice. And they made a choice. I'm going to read on now. Start in verse 15 in, in the same place. Jeremiah chapter 4. For a voice declares from Dan and proclaims affliction from Mount Ephraim, make mention to the nations, yes, proclaim against Jerusalem, that watchers come from a far country and raise their voice against the cities of Judah. Like keepers of, of a field, they are against her all around because, because, note the purpose clause, because she has been rebellious against me, says the Lord. Your ways and your doings have procured these things for you. This is your wickedness because it is bitter, because it reaches to your heart. The condition was of their own making. You know, there's an expression that people use. They say, well, if you make the bed, you have to lie in it. That's essentially what he's saying. You made the bed, and you don't have a choice as to whether you're going to lie in it or not. That choice is not yours. Your choice was to do the right thing, and you chose to rebel instead. But that's what their situation was. Their heart was not right. Yes, ma'am. Very excellent point. 
when those bad decisions are made. It has impacts beyond that one individual. And as she said, you don't know how far reaching that impact is going to be. Some of these verses here talk about false prophets and priests, right to the point you're making. Because the judgment didn't fall just to them, but to all who, a wide span. And like you're saying, so God, ones who didn't rebel or were not disobedient, they had to go through some things too. Of course, they were protected in the hand of God, but they still suffered. Just like believers do now when they are under persecution, they suffer. But God already has given what the ultimate outcome is going to be for them. No matter how much suffering they endure, the ultimate end is going to be a good one for them because they are his. Thank you. appreciate that. That's a good point. In Jeremiah 9, 8, it says their tongue is an arrow shot out. It speaks deceit. One speaks peaceably to his neighbor with his mouth, but his heart lies in wait. In chapter 23, verses 16 and 17, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. Now, there's an interesting thought. Because God raised up prophets, and they were to be listened to. But Jeremiah is saying, is saying there are certain prophets that you must not listen to. They make you worthless. And so they have an impact on you. They speak a vision of their own heart. Jeremiah was speaking what the Lord said. They were speaking from their own heart. But somebody who is deceived may give as much veracity or more to what they're saying than to what Jeremiah is saying. That's the nature of deceit. Not from the mouth of the Lord is, is where their words come. They continually say to those who despise me, the Lord has said, you shall have peace. That sounds like to me a lion on the Lord. Yes, and the Lord said that he didn't. But they said he did. And to everyone who walks according to the dictates of his own heart, no evil shall come upon you. The dictates of his own heart? We are not supposed to be following our own heart. People use that expression often in our modern parlance. They say, follow your heart, follow your heart, trying to give people advice to young people as to what to do and what to pursue and all that. Follow your heart. We've got to be careful about that. Because if what you're doing is following a heart that's deceived, you're going to go down the wrong path. And so just to, follow, say to somebody, just follow your heart is not good wisdom. It's not good advice. But why say that? You should, you should, we should rather say, dig into the word of God and try to allow it to be a guide for you, to shape the way you think about things, the way you understand things, the things that you pay attention to, try to let that be your guide rather than your heart, whatever is coming up out of it. In Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 26, it says, How long will this be in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies? Indeed, they are prophets 
of the deceit of their own heart. Chapter 11, verse 8. Yet they did not obey or incline their ear. Saying they did not obey or incline their ear clearly gives the implication that they made a choice. And we make choices. And sometimes, too often times, we make the wrong choice. But God has a remedy for that too. Humility, to understand and appreciate, oh, I did the wrong thing. And then repentance to be restored. Confession. Before the Lord, that's what the Lord, that's how the Lord handles things. That's what he says. And Jeremiah chapter 17 and verses 5 through 10. Thus says the Lord, Curse is a man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. Now, here's an interesting thing. How can one trust in man? How can you get to there? Well, you can't have your heart trusting in God and trusting in the flesh simultaneously. You make a choice. Who am I going to trust? Me? That false prophet? That false priest? Or God? And how do we know what God has to say? Well, we keep saying the Bible is the source for understanding what he has to say so we can trust him. But that's the choice. I'm skipping down verse 7 in that section in Jeremiah 17. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out his roots by the river, and will not fear when he comes. There's where to trust should be placed in the Lord. And so we ask and seek the Lord's help to do that because that's not done in a fleshless strength. We have to recognize that we're always dependent upon him. And as much as we might tend to say, well, I can, I can manage these or that or the other thing, we have to be careful about that. Because whenever we think we're managing something or within our span to just manage it on our own strength, strength, that's when we're bound to get in problems. Because we may not recognize that once we take our dependence away from trying to depend on God, we're more prone to slip. That's my perspective on it. So if we're not trying to do and understand what God says. We were not putting some attention to his word and the things that he says that we ought to be doing. If we don't pay attention to those things, we're going to be bound to slip. And I'm going to read again the last portion here to close out from Jeremiah chapter 18. Here's verses 11 and 12. Now therefore speak to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, 
Behold, I am fashioning a disaster and devising a plan for you. A deportation army I'm raising up. Return now everyone from his evil way and make your ways and your doings good. And they said, that is hopeless. We will walk according to our own plans and we will everyone obey the dictates of his evil heart. And, and God will say to the deportation army, you have marching orders, move out and do the judgment that I'm sending you to do. It didn't have to be that way. So what is that for us? I think it's pretty clear that we're not living in Jeremiah's day. And what we're talking about for ourselves is not are we going to be, as a nation, deported because we haven't obeyed the commands of the Lord? But we do need to recognize that we have the same God, and he has for us things that we are to do and to refrain from doing. And he has consequences for us, for obedience and for disobedience. And we ought to take that seriously and say, Lord, help us, help me, to better appreciate that and to seek the Lord's help continually to do better about it. So that's all I have for today. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you have given us a privilege this morning to gather for a few uh, short, uh, for a little short while here with the effort, the, the goal of just refreshing ourselves in the word of the Lord encouraging one another so that we might do better by your grace, through your mercy, and your help. We ask in the name of Christ, the Savior, with thanksgiving. Amen. So thank you very much. I appreciate your kind attention.